You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. So we've been talking about being positioned, how um, the Lord wants you. The promises of God are what? They're yes and amen. But why aren't more people walking in the promises if they're yes and so be it? Um, God wants sometimes, you know, and I talk about how uh, when I was building, when we were building this building, how I kind of got under the pressure of it. And you can hear faith people talk about it sometimes, but really it's not real faith because I was saying stuff like, well, I'm really straining the gut to believe. And that's really what I would say. And my point was, it's like, oh, I'm trying to believe. But that's not real faith. That's, that's you trying to work something up. And then in that time, and I'm just going to retell it again in case you're new, uh, because I want you to be able to receive because we're repositioning you and we're getting positioned to walk into everything that God has for us. He's not a withholder. Amen. His hand is not closed behind his back. The Bible says his hand is open. His hand is open to satisfy every living thing. The Lord is always good. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness, no shadow of turning. Amen. Jesus is always good. It's the devil who steals, kills, and destroys. But Jesus said, I've come to give you Zoe, the God kind and quality of life, a life that overflows. Amen. He'll do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think according to the power that's working on the inside of you. God is not a withholder. He's a giver, amen, and he's good, and he's good all the time. And when Sarah counted God faithful, he was able to perform that which he promised them. So there's a God side and there's our side. And so I remember when I was, I don't know how many years ago it was, everything's kind of a blur over the last 10 years in my life, but, um, you know, trying to get in this building, and the Lord just asked me a question, and I'll tell you one more time, because I know all 90% of you, 95% of you have heard this, but it'll help you again. The Lord asked me, he said, does your faith move me? And I was like, I know the answer. I was really so proud of myself because I was like, you know, I've been preaching on faith and I went to the faith school and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I, I follow, you know, I listen to faith teachers, so to speak. I don't really like to be called that because uh, faith is just a foundational doctrine. It's not a movement. It's not a movement. It's a doctrine. And so um, anyway, so I, uh, I, uh, I said, yes, Lord. I was so proud of myself. Well, that's a thing. If you're proud of yourself, that's a problem too. And, and so, so I said, yes, Lord. And you know what he said to me? And you all remember this. He said, Mark, I don't need your faith to move me. Amen. I've already been moved. What I need your faith to do is receive. I need you to receive. Because that's what faith does. When you use your faith and you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, right? And you believed, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and you believe what? That Jesus was raised from the dead, right? Right? When you believe that, when you believe that in your heart, did what? Confess that with your mouth. What do we call that? We call that receiving our salvation. Is that what we call it? Receiving our salvation. And so that's the whole point of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get you uh, back into the, the receiving gear instead of the uh, gear. I woke some of you up. Hallelujah. It's not, faith is not a labor. 
Faith, faith is a rest. Amen. Amen. And uh, so, so part what I want to do that. So then I want to tell you something else. Um, this is something um, that the Lord spoke to me a number, a number of years ago. I mean, you know, we're always growing. We're always learning. And then, and then even when you get a revelation of something, you can let it go. It's so, we're so human. We love to work. Well, most of us do. We love to work for what we get from God. We can't just take it that it's by grace through faith. By grace, free. It's free. That's God's side. Faith is your side. There's a God side and there's your side. It's by grace, not grace alone, all kinds of grace, but there's that grace through faith. But he said this to me many years ago. He said, if you can see it, you can seize it. But if you can't see it, you can't grab a hold of it and pull it towards yourself. But if you can see it, what's he talking about? He's talking about in the realm of the spirit. So I want to talk to you about seeing it and seizing it. Because I'm positioning you. One of the things the devil will always try to do, or just living in this world will try to get you to do, is the devil wants you to look at circumstances. Because whether you know it or not, you're looking spiritually at something. Sometimes we look at it and it's looking like it's just the natural, but you're looking at something. You're considering something. You're being persuaded by something. And so the devil needs you to be faith. One of the things that faith is, remember what the Apostle Paul said, I am fully persuaded. Faith is also a persuasion. The devil is trying to persuade you all the time. And so one of the things the enemy tries to do is he wants you to look at circumstances. We've been talking about over the last two Wednesday nights, we've been talking about our friend Peter. And we thank God for Peter, and we thank God for his boldness. Remember, when he saw Jesus walking across the water, he said, Lord, if that's you, what? Bid me to come. And Jesus said, what? Come on out. And so what did he do? He, he, it's not a bass boat. He was in a ship. He, he got up on the edge. He flipped his legs over, and it was storming, but he began to walk on the water. Come on, everybody. Give it up for Peter. He's walking on the water. Amen? Come on. Don't be. I mean, have you ever, I, you know, I know my wife thinks I can walk on water, but I can't. Um, anyway, and so, but he was walking on the water. And then the Bible says what? He saw. The wind, can you see the wind? Well, not really, but you can see the effects of it, right? You can see it blowing in the trees, right? You, you can see the effects of the wind during the fall when it leaves all those leaves in my yard that somebody's got to pick up. I mean, you can see the effects of the wind, right? And so he already knew there was a storm. He already knew it was windy. And he already knew he couldn't walk on the water. So the great thing about Peter was he used his faith. How many of you know you all have faith? Come on. Everybody's been given their measure of faith. You already believe the greatest thing, and I believe one of the hardest things it is to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and was raised from the dead. Amen. You believe that based on something you heard. Peter believed what, that it was Jesus, and he said, come, and he, he started walking on the water. But then what happened is the circumstances got the best of him. Now, remember, we talked about there's a difference between unbelief and doubt. And I know in our circles, they run out all together. Doubt and unbelief. I mean, they just put it all together. Doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. But unbelief and doubt are not the same thing. Because I would say most of the people, especially on a Wednesday night, I don't got any unbelievers in the room. 
Now, there are some things about the gospel that people are, there are unbelieving people that are born again, meaning they don't believe that it's the will of God to heal all the time. They don't believe it's the will of God for you to prosper. They don't believe that God cares anything about that. So they, they don't have belief in those areas. They are unbelieving in that area, but they're a, they believe in Jesus, the Son of God, and they're going to go to heaven. Their name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But I got some believing believers in this room, right? Amen. Amen. And so unbelief um, is a choice, or it's out of ignorance. Remember what the Apostle Paul said, what I did, I did in ignorance and unbelief. So the cure for that kind of unbelief is what? It's the word. It's knowledge. Jesus, remember when he went to his hometown of Nazareth, the Bible says he could there do no mighty works. Not he wouldn't. He couldn't. Why couldn't he? And he marveled at their unbelief, their refusal to believe. Why? Because they were ignorant. And they said, that's just a carpenter. And then in that area, the Bible says the cure for that, he may not have helped those originally, but he said he went about teaching and preaching in their synagogues. Right? Okay, so that's one cure. Uh, Unbelief, though, there's some, like, um, there's a refusal to believe. You know, people that say, I can't believe that, that's just not true. Because you can believe. Everybody can believe. Some people refuse to believe. And remember, he's got the wrong nickname. Remember, remember, Doubting Thomas? I, I, he's not Doubting Thomas. He's Unbelieving Thomas. Because he said, I will not believe until I can put my fist in his side, my fingers through his hole, the holes. I, I will not. And Jesus showed up and said, Go ahead, big boy. And then what it was, and thank, then, you know, he saw, and then what did he say? He said, my Lord, my God. And what did Jesus say? Blessed are those who never see, don't see, and yet they believe. So that, so you understand there's an ignorance in unbelief, but there's also a decision in unbelief. And, and, and unbelief is very different than doubt. Um, the children of Israel who went in the first round, the first group, they, were un, they, they believed not. And God was irritated and aggravated with them. He is not pleased with unbelief. When Remember on the road to Emmaus, those two guys that came back and told him, and, and Jesus upbraided them. That's King James 4. He got up all in their business. He was not happy. He upbraided them for their unbelief. So unbelief is just not pleasing to the Lord. The Bible calls it an evil report. And you, you can, there's no way you can lighten that word evil. It's an evil report. Now, you and I could fall into that, but remember what I told you. Most of our issues, if we're going to have any, are in unbelief. No, in doubt. Right? What, what are you and I, what are ours? Doubt. What is doubt? It's, remember what James 1, through 6, James 1, 6 through 8 says. It says, a double-minded man is what? In all of his ways, and he cannot receive anything for the Lord. Doubt is it has a due, a man of two mindsets. In other words, I'm at church and on Wednesday night, and I'm like, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. And then Monday or, or Thursday at work, and the pain comes back, and you're like, man, I thought I was healed. I don't know if that stuff works. 
that pastor laid hands on me, and I guess he really didn't have anything. What is that's, and you can go back and forth on things, and that's a man or woman with two mindsets. You can say it's opposite, positive. A single-minded man is stable in all his ways, and he'll receive everything from the Lord. Same thing, same thing. So, doubt is something. So here we got Peter walking on the water again. That was a good review. All right, so Peter's walking on the water again, and what happened? He saw, he saw. So we're going to look at seeing tonight. What the, the enemy needs you to see something, and God needs you to see something. The enemy needs you to see something, and God needs you to see something. And wherever you're looking is what you get. The devil wants you to see the wind and the waves. He saw the wind boisterous when he saw something, an emotion, a spiritual emotion was evoked. The Bible said he became afraid. Now, I understand something about fear. I get this one. Because the devil will, because with fear comes a picture of what's going to happen to you. Fear can be very tangible. It can be a spirit. It, it is evil. And it keeps the blessings of God away. So the devil is trying to interject fear and worry and all that. So he saw the wind boisterous. He grew afraid. And what happened? He began to sink. Now, is anybody grateful for the term, help me Jesus? Yes. Come on. Remember, we practice it. Help me, Jesus, right? Help me, Jesus. Or, or help if, if you're in a hurry. Help me, help me, Jesus. Aren't you glad that he reached around and grabbed Peter and, and lifted him up, put him back on the water? But what did he say? when Because he, he didn't throw him in the boat mad. Because it wasn't unbelief. Because he believed. Come on, do I get any water walkers? I mean, hopefully spiritually, but I don't know if any of you ever walked across the pool or the, or the Tennessee or, or anything like that. Peter was walking on water. And he got his eyes off of Jesus and the word come, and he began to look at the wind and the waves that were already always there. And this is a fisherman, and he knows better than walking on the water. But he was doing it. And Jesus didn't say, why did you have unbelief? He said, he basically said in modern vernacular, why did your faith only last a little while? If you study it out. Why did your, because his faith worked. So one of the things the devil wants to do, you and me in this room is, even if your faith starts working, he wants to short circuit it. Right? What's he going to do to short circuit it? He's going to bring you something to see. Because he only has power in this natural realm. Jesus called him the prince of the power of the air. Paul, by the Holy Ghost, called him the devil, the god of this world. He works in this world with, with the five senses. That's why as believers, you and I have to get past Leaning on our five senses on, what is that, seeing and smelling and tasting and touching and I don't know what they are. What's the other one? Okay, so we got them all. All right, so we got them. And they're fine, but you can't live by them. Because when Peter 
turned to his senses and he saw the wind boisterous, what happened? He began to sink. Listen, the same Jesus that told him to come is still there. The same storm that was going on when he swung his legs over the ship is still happening. The only thing that changed is what happened to Peter. He got his eyes on the circumstances and it brought fear and it caused him to sink. All right, let's look at another one, a little faster maybe. Abraham and Sarah, because I got like lots of pages of notes and can you all listen faster? Okay, so we got Abraham and Sarah. The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse number 19, it says, it says, and being not weak in faith, he considered, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. So looking this way, he's looking at himself. I don't know if they had mirrors that back then, but I'm sure they, they, they could look at one another and it's like, you old, you older. <laughs> um, and other stuff that we won't get into. <laughs> because it was so funny to Sarah, she said, shall now, shall I have pleasure Okay, this is adult room, right? Pleasure with, my, with him, right? In other words, never mind. And so, it's not, so, so you, are you with me? So it was so funny to her, it made her laugh. Kind of uncomfortably like some of you just did. And so the, the point is, though, there, he could, they could have looked at their body. But in this case, they didn't. They had maybe in years past, because we got a lot of years in between the first time and this time that God said. And we got an Ishmael in the middle of there. So they looked wrong. Remember Sarah said, you know, there she is, you go. And, and, and you know, Abraham said, well, if you insist, you know, and all that. And then, you know, and then she, it's a mess. And so anyway, so what happens is here he didn't look at it. They decided at some point to count God faithful. She did, and they were no longer looking at their own bodies. Their own bodies became irrelevant. Does this work? Does this not work? Irrelevant. The devil, I'm sure, even then was trying to make them, you know, as the older you get, you know, I don't know yet how it is, but the older you get, you you have feelings, you know, of getting older, you, you, you know, things are not as easy as it. I mean, do you, don't you think the devil was trying to remind them of you're old and this has never worked? You understand? So they, so they, they, they didn't look at the circumstances. Then you got, how about Jairus? Remember Jairus came to Jesus and he said, you know, come to my house, lay my hands on my daughter and she'll live. And then somebody, one of his close confidants came and said, don't trouble the master any further. Your daughter's dead. Right? Now, how many of you know when that is spoken, you have an immediate picture of your sick daughter you just left, now she's dead? What a horrible, awful, gut-wrenching. But Jesus is right there. Because he can, this is not up to Jesus. Listen to me, I know this this makes religious folks madder and mad. But this currently now, in this Jairus situation, is not up to Jesus. It's not up to God. This is all up to what Jairus can believe. 
And what Jesus did was position him, which is what the Holy Ghost is doing to you. Positioning you to receive. Because he said to him, don't be afraid. Where does fear come from? Fear comes from what you can see, what you feel. At that moment, Jairus, being a human, being a dad, what's he feeling? I mean, he's, he's devastated. He came all this way believing, knowing that Jesus could come lay hands on his daughter and she would live. He really believed that. How I know he believed that, he's not just trying that, is because he went. Faith is a corresponding action. He went to get Jesus to bring him to the house. And then this woman got her healing and interrupted. And now he's just standing there. And while she's gloriously healed, I get some bad news. And then there's Jesus who positioned him to get a miracle. He said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe what you've already said, and when you say something, what you've already seen. What did he see? Come on, you know, we, we think as human beings in pictures. What did he see? He sees, I'm going to have to press through. I'm going to get Jesus. I'm going to ask him to come. I'm going to grab him by the hand. I'm going to lead him. He's going to come to my house. He's going to lay hands on my daughter. She's going to get up, and it's all going to be right. That's what he planned. And Jesus said, plan A is still on. Because it was irrelevant to Jesus whether she was dead or almost dead. The reason this worked was because he looked beyond, Jairus looked beyond the circumstances and looked to Jesus, the healer. And he believed that and he went and got him. But even though the circumstance changed, the word of God did not. The will of God did not because he said, yes, I'll go to your house and I'll heal. And even though the circumstance changed and now what I'm looking at, it it got worse with God, it didn't matter. Circumstances. The devil, if listen to me, if Jairus would have said what the dude said, he said, don't trouble the master any further. If Jairus would have said, She's dead, it's over. Then it would have been over. Nothing Jesus could have done. Now that's hard for religion to understand, but you understand by revelation that's the truth. Then we got the children of Israel going into the promised land. Remember God delivered them out, sent them a deliverer. And so they come out and they do all the things Pastor Belinda was talking about. They walk across on dry ground, set up their memorials, got 12 spies going in because God's told them it's a land that flows with milk and honey. They go in and they, you know, they come back with some big old grapes, better than the grapes from Chile even. I mean, these are big grapes. These are good stuff. And they brought it back. But then they bring back their report. And what, what is their report? They come back and say what? There are... There are walled cities. Let's look at it. Numbers um, chapter 13, verse 28. I just want you to see this one. It, it says, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are, the cities, plural, cities, are walled. And they're very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, which is the what? Those are the giants, right? And so they came back, and even though it was everything that God said, 
the circumstances are there's a giant. Well, they don't know because they still have kind of a slavery mentality. And even though God did everything he did for them, that the, even though, because God said, I've given you the land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. This is your land. But the circumstances came, and this group of people couldn't get past the circumstances. They saw the walled cities, and they said, we can't do it. They saw the giants, and they say, there's no way. They don't know that they were serving a giant killer because, you know, there was a dude down the line. His name was David, and he was a shepherd boy, and he took out a giant. But they didn't necessarily know that or believe that at that moment. So listen, they let the circumstances dictate what they believe and they got what they saw. Because they were limited to the circumstances. And so the circumstances, they said, were their walled cities and those walled cities will keep us out. There are giants in that land, and we are but grasshoppers in their sight, and we're a bug, and they're a giant, and bugs get smushed by giants, and we can't do it. And so without any battle, they got what they said. They got what they believed because they believed the circumstances more than they believed God. Okay? Now, I know a lot of you know these things. But you and I are of the same, yes, we love God. Yes, we believe God. Yes, we esteem God and his word. But how many times do you and me let doubt in because we are so fixated on the circumstances? And I am not making belittling sometimes a circumstance. I mean, they can be in your face. They can be tragic. They can be yelling at you. They can be screaming at you. I mean, I mean, all kinds of stuff going on. But I'm saying if we want to receive all that God has for us and what he's promised, we have to make sure of what we're looking at. So when those circumstances, now let me tell you this before I go on because the Lord really dro- dropped this in my heart. He said to me, he said, ignoring circumstances is not the same as faith. You know, if someone would say, oh, just ignore those walled cities, ignore those giants. Just ignore it. Just pretend like it's, they're not there. That's not the same as faith. Some people think that's faith, but ignoring, like if you have a symptom in your body, you're, you know, you're, you got a bone sticking out, you know, of, I don't know. You, you, got, you got a bone sticking out, and you're like, I choose to ignore that. I, I think the pain would be too great, but you know what I mean? I, I choose to ignore that. I choose to ignore that. That's not real. Well, that's just stupid. Ignoring something is not, it has nothing to do with faith. So you're not going to a doctor. Because you don't want to believe it's real. Has nothing to do with faith. You listen to me? Ignoring the walled cities and the giants was not what God had in mind. It's kind of like that thing Pastor Rhonda was talking about that we, we, we talked to you about. Time doesn't heal a broken heart. Time heals all wounds. That's just a bunch of baloney. Time can make things worse. And you're not going to find a scripture for that. Well, time will just make it all better. No, there's no promise of time making it better. There's no promise if you just ignore it. I choose to believe that doesn't exist. And in Jesus' name. And just because you tack in the name of Jesus on the end of it does not make you in faith. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, go away, go away, go away. 
The Bible didn't say call those things that be as though they are not. He said to call those things that be not as though they are. And just because you see something and you go, I choose not to believe it. I choose not to believe it. It's not here in Jesus' name. That's kind of more like Christian science. Denying that things exist. No, in faith, you deny them their right to exist in your life. You don't deny they exist. I've watched that with people, and it's maybe slight, but I'm just here to, it's kind of like we're driving in, we're driving, we're flying in an aircraft, and we don't want to get off just a little bit. Because if I mean to get to Los Angeles, I don't want to end up in Seattle. Because just a little bit off over a long haul can get you away from your destination. And so circumstances, but so, so just, um, um, just denying it is not what it is, all right? So let's talk about this. Let's go. Okay, um, it was a good introduction. All right, let's let's go. Um, um, so what do we? So okay, okay, it's more than an introduction. All right, so we got to see what God sees. So I've told you, circumstances are what the devil wants you to see. He wants you to feel something. He wants you to see something. He needs you to see it. He needs you to feel it. Because if you see the winds boisterous, it could cause you to have uh, a reaction and then cause your faith, it causes you to get in doubt and cause your faith to quit working. So the devil needs you to see something, feel something. The devil, that's why he works hard at trying to get you out of love in unforgiveness. Because he knows if he can, because what is that? That's a feeling. I want to get back at them. Feel it. So the devil works in the sense realm. God works in the realm of the spirit. God works in the realm of the spirit. Let me give you some scriptures. You know these, 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians 4.18. 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, so what are we not supposed to do? We're not, we're not looking at, we're not fixating on, we're not denying they exist, but we're not looking to them. This, it says, but the things which are not seen. Where, 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 where are we looking? We're looking in the realm of the spirit. Come, reminds me of uh, um, Elisha and his servant. Remember when all the armies surrounded them? What did he pray? He said, open his eyes so that he can see there's more with us than against us. And the servant's eyes were opened. Reminds me of Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 18, where we're supposed to pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. Did you know you have eyes in the realm? You have eyes in your spirit. Yeah, that's why I pray for you, that they would have eyes that see, ears. Your, your spirit has ears. And a heart, the center of you, would understand. Because when you see with your eyes spiritual, when you hear with your ears spiritual, and you understand in your heart, then you can be converted, the Bible says, or receive what God has for you. And so the Lord is trying to get us to see, because if you can see it, you can seize it. So we look not things that are seen, but we look at things which are not seen. So we're looking. You're either going to look one of the other places. You're either looking in the natural only or you're looking in the realm of the spirit, or you're going back and forth. 
So remember when Paul said, I can write to you as mere men. What does that mean? Remember in Corinthians, he said, I can only write to you as mere men. Carnal, natural. We don't, because see, you can be born again and just live a natural life. Everything you do, you're no different than anybody that's not born again. You make money like the world makes. You, you physically, everything you do is natural. There's nothing super on your natural because you're just, we, we live as mere men. Now those mere men that are born again are going to go to heaven one day. But that's not who you and I are supposed to be. We're supposed to be living. Jesus prayed that, Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not supposed to wait till heaven. We're supposed to have what heaven has right now on the earth. And you've got to, that's in the realm of the spirit. And you can bring that to the now. So we're not looking at things that are seen. We look to those things that are uh, unseen because the things which are seen are what? Temporal or temporary or can be changed. Things that are seen are temporary or can be changed. The facts can always be changed. The truth will never be changed. That's why I get irritated when people talk about my truth. I want to hear your truth. I want to hear the truth. Because if your truth don't line up with the truth, your truth is not really a truth at all. It's probably a lie from the devil. Because this is the truth. Facts are subject to change. Because they're temporal, they're temporary, they're based on what we see. But the things which are, which are not seen are from another realm, and those are eternal. But you can see those things from an eternal realm as well as you can see those things from a natural realm. They're just seen with your spiritual eyes and through the word of God. All right? So let's look at this one. Um, let's go back to Joshua. Um, <laughs> Joshua chapter 6. I love this. This verse just makes me happy. All right, so we got the second group, children of Israel. Remember, they wandered for 40 years. All the uh, unbelievers died off. Remember, they're afraid. You know, Lord, you're going you're to kill our children. And he's like, um, I'm not only not going to kill your children, you're, I'm going to take care of your children. And so everybody else died off. So we got Joshua, Caleb, and we got 20 and unders. Ooh, it'd be great. Make sure ooh, the birthday thing. That'd be, oh, anyway, so uh, you got the oldest one, he, you know, and, and, and so they wander around the wilderness, and now the second group's ready to go in. And so what have Joshua, the youth pastor, and Caleb, the children's pastor, done for 40 years? They have retrained them. Your mama and daddy saw giants in a walled city. And they believed more in what they saw instead of what God said. Because remember, Joshua and Caleb came back, they came back with a different report. They said, what? They're bread for us. They're bread for us. We are well able. Don't have time to get into why Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit. Joshua, um, I believe because he was in the presence of God, he was Moses' servant. I believe he was around the glory. I believe he had a personal relationship. I believe that, were, that had a lot to do with it. Um, Caleb, I don't know how he got another spirit, but the Bible says he had another spirit. All right? And so now we got the second group ready to go in. I love this. Joshua chapter 6, verse number 2. Let's look at that. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See? So, yeah, that's what it says. No, it says, see. Yeah. See. What am I talking to you about? Seeing. 
That word see is from the same word in Genesis where God said, let there be light and all that. And he saw, it's the same word, he saw. After he said something, after God believed something, he saw something. It's the same word as when God said something and then it was made and then the Bible says, and he saw it and it was good. It's the same word. See, 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 I have given it into your hand. In other words, Joshua, what you've been preparing for 40 years that I've been putting in you, do you see? Can you see? Can you see past the walls? Can you see? Listen to me. The walls were still there, and I can tell you, I believe they were maybe even more fortified. Because remember what, uh, what's her name, the harlot girl, what she, uh, Rahab, remember what she said? We, we saw you over there. We saw that God had given it to you, and basically we were all here shaking our boots waiting for you to come get it. So you're still all over there. Something's up. They got 40 more years of living in their house. But I, I you know, I don't know. And, and, and guess what? The giants were still giants. The walls were still walls. But the good news is God was still God. His word to the first group was still the same word to the second group. This is a land that flows with milk and honey. I, and then he, he reiterated it to Joshua, just like he gave it to Moses, but he added a C. I have given into your hands Jericho and the king thereof and these giants you were all so afraid of. See? See? Can you see it? Well, one of the things the Lord taught him, you're going to find out, it's just a little later, but I, I can't hardly wait to get you there. Um, <laughs> glory to God. Um, let, me, let me throw this one in before we get there. What does 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7 say? 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by, not by. So you can see faith is seen into the realm of the Spirit. Faith is seeing the promises of God. Because he compares it to sight. So I'm not walking by the wind and the waves. I'm not walking by the pain, although they're real, they're a fact. I'm not walking by the fact that um, my wife and I just screamed at each other. I mean, we personally didn't. But, but I mean, I, I'm not walking by the fact that my teenager just told me they don't believe in God. I'm not walking by what I've seen, what I've heard, what I feel. I'm not walking by what my bank account says I have in it. I'm not walking by the five senses. I'm not walking by those facts. They're real. In, in, in other words, I could see them, but I am choosing to be a man. The just shall live by faith. I'm choosing to see something else. I'm choosing to see what God sees. I'm Because God sees something. God's always been a seer. He's always seen what he wants says what he wants, performs what he wants. See? What does he need you to do? He needs you to see with him. One of our friends many, many years ago, his name was uh, Jeff Schroeder, 
he preached a sermon, and I'll never forget it. You know, I've heard lots of sermons in my life. But there are certain things that stick with you, that are seared to you. And this one was, he talked to us about going to a dream theater. And the Lord reminded that of me today. He's like, remember the dream theater. And he said, but tell them this. Be careful which theater you buy tickets for. Because you can go to the devil's dream theater too. He can show you things from the natural and he can show you things too. Because the devil knows scripture too. He knows Proverbs 23, 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He knows what, the devil knows what happened to the first group. What did the first group say? They said, we're in our own, Numbers 13, 33, says in our own sight we're nothing but grasshoppers. The devil got them to believe more in what they saw in the walled cities and the giants than what God said. And they believed their circumstances. And in the truth, uh, in the fact was, their circumstances in their own, you got a bunch of former slaves against, a, against some giants who are used to defending themselves and wiping out some folks. Are you, you understand what I'm saying? And so um, it's important to realize, though, you're not stuck in what you can see in the natural. You can have what God, because God's asking you all, do you want to come dream with me? Do you, you want to come see what I see? Because see, I've given you the city. Can you see it? Can you see it? So what he told Joshua, see, I've given you the city. How was Joshua prepared for such a thing? Well, he walked around for 40 years. You know, he looked at the walled cities. He looked at Jericho. Every time he walked by it, you know, you know, I don't know. You don't hear him saying, I'm going to take that in Jesus. I went, of course, Jesus wasn't there yet. He's you know, the Lord has given me. Nothing like that. But what you do see is the Lord teaching him something and something we teach out of all the time. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8. What did he tell him to do? He said, meditate. Meditate on these things. What is med- what, when you meditate on something, what are you doing? You're muttering. You're thinking it over. And it has, in definition, a form of seeing. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, talks about strongholds. Y'all know what stronghold is. It's in your mind. But it's a prison. But it's a pattern of thinking. And then, therefore, a pattern of seeing. Because as you think, you see, and you are, and you talk, and you do. People who are held, listen to me, in bondage in any area of their life, drugs, sexual, any ongoing pattern comes because they have a stronghold in their mind. And Obviously, the first step is get born again. Second step, get filled with the Holy Ghost. Third step, though, is you got to do something with the stronghold. Because a stronghold can live in your mind while you're speaking in tongues out of your spirit. You have to, the only way to kill a stronghold is to grab it. The Bible says what? Take every thought captive. Right? You've got to take the thought. How do you take a thought captive? You open your mouth and replace that thought with a better thought. 
which is God's thoughts, that are higher, that are better. And when you start knocking the stronghold down, you'll start seeing yourself different. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How can you tell what you think in your heart? Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth leaks. It speaks. The people around you, because <laughs> see, you can hide and come to church, come to Cornerstone and give the right hallelujah at the right time and give the right amen and confess and praise the Lord just right. And that's great. And I want you to do all that. But what I'm most interested in is what you do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday at work and Thursday and Friday and when you're watching the football game on Saturday. You know what I'm saying? Because those, that's most of your, that's your life. And what you think of yourself. I'm not trying to get into that tonight so much, but what you think of yourself. Because remember, they said we're grasshoppers. And of this thing, I know a little bit about. I know a little bit about this one. Because the devil can convince you of who you are instead of letting God show you who you are, seeing yourself the way God sees you. One of the wars, one of the battles is to see yourself correctly because the first group going in the promised land, they saw themselves incorrectly. They saw themselves as slaves, or they saw themselves as not fighters. They saw themselves as not able, even though Joshua and Caleb told them different. But they retrained the second group, and it came, I guarantee you, it came from what the Lord told Joshua. Meditate. Think differently of yourself. When you, but what's, because see, we're all meditating on, you're all thinking all the time. You look at y'all, you smart people who are thinking all the time. I mean, we're thinking stuff all the time. We're, I, you, you should measure your self-talk. What do you say about yourself? A lot of us in this room, we don't need anybody else to criticize us. We got that down. I don't need to tell you to tell me my shortcomings. I know them well. But see, if you get caught up in that, you can really mess yourself up, and you're going to mess your faith up. You're going to mess it up bad. And it's not humility to say, I'm just not, no good and nobody. That's not, that's not humility. That's stupidity. Because you're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not in yourself. Because in yourself, you don't know much or anything. You can't do anything. But you're not in you anymore. You're in him. Right? And so we have to. So what do we got to do? In order to see ourselves different, then we got to meditate on the word. And I encourage you, if you have a specific area in your life that you're seeing yourself wrong or you have a habit or something that's going on, get some scripture and begin to meditate on it and begin to think what it says about you. Mutter it. Think on it. Ponder it. Then go to the dream theater with it. Kind of see yourself different. That's why you've heard people of faith talk about you've got to be able to see yourself with it. You've got to see yourself with the answer you got to see yourself healed. 
You got to see yourself prosperous. You got to see your marriage strong. You got to see all your children at home at Christmas time and everybody's happy. I mean, you got to you got to you got to see yourself um, you know, whatever. You got to see yourself doing what God has asked you to do. You got to see it. You got to be able to see it. Not fake see it, really see it. Not hope to see it, really see it. See it. How do you see it? The only way you can begin to see it is if you meditate the word. Because it changes the vision of yourself and it changes. When, when God said, let there be light, or when he said something and then he saw it and it was good, that's why he told Joshua, see? See? Because I was even like, okay, is that, tra-? I looked in my, all my things and got on my you know, phone and make sure that word see, and I looked into the original because I was thinking, Lord, that's what you're saying to me, and I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to push it into y'all right now because this is big. It doesn't mean anything else except for see. That's really what it means. Can you see? In other words, Joshua, can you see these walls knocked down? Joshua, can you see that that great king, he's no match for you? Joshua, can you see that those giants are not a match for you? Can you see that? See, I've given you the city. See, I've given you the city. Oh, man, if I could just punch this on the inside of you somehow. Come on. God's trying to get you to say whatever you, whatever you need from him. You've got to see it. See the stripes on Jesus' back. See you've been healed. See he became poor that you could become rich. Do you see that? The promise that he's individually given you. Can you see yourself with what he said? <laughs> Oh, and sometimes it's so big, it takes a little while longer. And sometimes you've given up on stuff and you don't, maybe you don't even want to see it anymore. But if you go to the dream theater with God, what's on his heart, he, he's, it's like a, he's just, he, he wants you to see it with him. Come on, he's a giver. And he wants you to have it. And he's just trying to position you to receive. You, you're not have to pry it out of his hand. Come on, he's given you the desires of your heart, meaning he, he gave them to you and he wants to fulfill them. He, he's not a man that he should lie. Has he not said it, they'll also not do it. Just like Elizabeth told Mary, he said, she said, there will be a performance of what was spoken to you by the Holy Ghost. Come on, come on, it's Christmas time. There shall be a performance of everything the Spirit of God. Come on, come on, can you see it? Can you see it? That, and that's the deal, you gotta be able to see it. You got to be able to see it. You got to be able to see it. So you got to meditate the word. When you meditate the word, you'll get it. Hallelujah. <laughs> I want to give you this scripture. Let's look at this one and we'll, we'll, we'll call it a night maybe. Hebrews 11, 27. Talking about Moses. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, the Pharaoh, um, granddaddy, that's who he was to him, right? For he endured, at, how did he endure? By seeing. How did he get through all that? By knowing that there was a God. Even though he couldn't physically see him, he could see him. 
I see him. I can't see him, but I see him. And that's how he got through it. Seeing him who is invisible. Let me give you one for you. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher. Looking. I see you. Because <laughs> listen, he ain't playing hide and seek. Oh, I remember back in the day when that was real popular that the Lord is hiding from you used to make me so mad. Because one of the things he's not doing is hiding from you. It's not a game. This is not a game. The throne room is still, because see, that's the thing with faith. You got to understand. Even when things aren't going right, the walled cities didn't change. The giants didn't change, but neither did God. He just needed somebody positioned to receive. With Peter walking on the water, the storm didn't change. The word come didn't change. Peter, bless his heart, because we, we ain't criticizing. We're all going to be in Peter's classes in heaven. We don't want him mad at us or anything, right? Because he walked on the water. All right? But he changed his focus. He changed what he was seeing. He was no longer looking at Jesus and the word come. He was now looking at the wind and the waves. that were always there. That was always impossible. So what do we need to do? What do I need to do? What do you need to do? What are we focused on? I'm not telling you to bury your head in the sand and pretend like things don't exist because that's not faith. It's just not. That's false. It's fake. That's not going to work because you pretending that it's not real doesn't make it not real. What you have to do is understand there are walls there. But God said to me, see, I've given you the city. And then when you believe that, then when you believe that, vested is the rostacha of the rote. Following that, seeing and believing comes a plan. Why do you need a plan? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. You just helped me a whole lot. Why do you? (laughs) (laughs) Why do you need a plan if you can't see it? You want a plan first, but he wants you to see it first. That's called faith. He's not expecting you to do this on your own because you, you can't knock the walled city down on your own. You can't defeat. The, he, he's never intended for you to do it on your own. He just needs you to see it. He needs you to believe him. He needs you to see it. And then when you see it, when you really see it, when you really see it, then a plan is forthcoming. What was their plan? Silly as it may be, walk around. Right? Walk around. And then Joshua, just to make sure everybody's on the same page, he's like, I don't want nobody talking. Everybody be quiet. But when I tell you, shout. Because God has given you the city. 
The shout was because Joshua saw it. And a plan came, and then it happened. Well, I'm, like, I'm just excited as can be because I, I sense plans forthcoming. Amen. Help us to see it. I believe. How do you get there? Lord, give me eyes that see, ears that hear, a heart that understands. I believe the eyes of my understanding are enlightened. I know the whole. I, I, ooh, ooh, I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. Hooey. Hallelujah. I know. Ooh, I really know. I know. I know. I know. Hallelujah. I know. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. What do I got to do? Then meditate. Meditate the word. Meditate the word till you see it like God sees it. Meditate the word till you see it like God sees it. Determine not to walk by what you see in the natural realm. Now listen, that's just not easy. It's just not, it's just not like everybody can just do this. And I'm not telling you to ignore the natural realm. Y'all got that one clear tonight, right? I'm not telling you to ignore anything. Don't ignore it. But I am telling you that that's not where your focus is, that you, we walk by faith, not by sight. The things that we see, they're temporary. The things that we cannot see are in the realm of the spirit. They are eternal. And that's where we need to go into the dream theater with God so we can see it like he sees it. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.